welcome everyone back to the Dairy Science Digest. And today we're going to be talking with Bradley Hines, and he's out of Minnesota, and he's going to tell us all about installing solar panels in your dairy operation, specifically for, for the grazing herd. Could you introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. Thank Reagan for having me on. I'm Brad Hines. I'm an associate professor at the University of Minnesota, and I'm actually located in western Minnesota. I'm at a research and outreach center uh, where we have 300 cow dairy. It's a grazing dairy, actually split into two. It's a conventional and an organic grazing herd. Uh, and we do research on pasture-based production systems for, for dairy farmers, really. Wonderful. Very good. And so tell us a little bit about your, your solar panel setup out in the pastures. So I, you know, we, we've had this sort of goal long ago to sort of incorporate livestock and uh, renewable energy technologies. We, at our research center, we do a lot of renewable energy work. We have a, a large scale wind turbine here. And we were trying to figure out how to incorporate that into dairy cattle situations. Uh, shade is still a, a growing trend in pasture-based dairies. So we thought we could put a solar system up in our pasture and help with maybe heat stress or different stresses that come along with a grazing dairies. We put up a 30 kilowatt system. It's relatively small system when you, when you think about it, you know, and here in the upper Midwest in Minnesota, a lot of large scale solar systems are going up where they can be, you know, a thousand kilowatts or more that are on the land. So ours is relatively small. When you go out into the pasture, it's probably big enough for about 40 cows. So it's, you know, on, on the smaller scale, it certainly won't hold uh, our 300 cow herd under, underneath that system. I see. And, um, and so could you describe a little bit, how, how did you set up the paddocks? Uh, did they have access to the whole row of panels or how did you set it up for the research project? So for our, our research project, you know, one other thing that we also had to consider was the height of the solar panels because we wanted the cows to be grazing under it, but we didn't want them to maybe touch the solar panels or have any issue with that. So we actually raised them off the ground. They're about eight feet off the ground. So the cows won't really rub on them. We have sunk the poles in that hold the solar panels up six feet into the ground. So they're concrete into the ground. So the if the cattle rub on them or anything like that, it won't disrupt the solar panels. We didn't, we haven't had any issue on it. When the cows first went out there the first couple of days, it was something new. So they rubbed on it. They maybe tried to lick the solar panels, but couldn't really reach them. But after a while, there's no problem with them uh, being in, in that area and they actually go underneath the shade. Outstanding. We put them out on the pasture. So they're out in the middle of you know, our, our grazing paddocks because we need to, we want to produce solar energy and shade the cows. So they had to be out in an open area where they weren't shaded by trees or anything else. And, uh, we, they're, they're at a 30 degree angle. Grass can grow underneath them. Uh, we can, you know, hopefully maintain forage production, uh, in the pasture cows. Uh, there's water nearby. So the cows can have the run of the whole, solar system uh, as they want and and be able to kind of go underneath the panels to seek shade or go graze if they want. They're, they really have a lot of freedom to sort of move around. It looked like your, your data set showed that 
they were able to kind of space out uh, under that long shaded area. How did that impact hygiene? Did did you start to see the cows kind of get in a mud hole of sorts? Yes, that that could be a problem when it rained uh, or when it got really hot, the cows would bunch underneath the solar panels and maybe create some, you know, small mud holes. I wouldn't say that they were, you know, large ones, but it's certainly a consideration. Anyways, a, a small mud hole where maybe they disrupted some of the grass growth there and, you know, we would have to reseed that or replant grass there uh, the following year. But really there, there, there wasn't too many issues, but there is something to, to think about with, with that. Well, and I didn't, I didn't mean to bring up anything bad about it because when I was looking at the data, the somatic cell count wasn't different. And so it, it couldn't have been too terrible. I suspect that it was fairly okay. And yeah, I think one of the big things that it, yeah, it wasn't bad and there, the somatic cell count, we didn't find any difference. And, uh, you know, we also looked at fly numbers. So, you know, were the cows going underneath the panel and standing in a, you know, underneath there to get away from the flies. And mm-hmm. uh, we didn't really see any difference in fly numbers on the cows. So we don't, it, it didn't really affect that much. It's more, uh, you know, if you go out there and look at it and you're like, oh, they're creating a mud hole. And it's, it's probably not as bad as maybe what I said it is, but it's something to to consider. Uh, especially if you have, you know, if, if we would have put a lot of cows there, mm-hmm. then maybe they would have created a, a big mud hole. A, but. a difference for sure. Huh. Well, looking at the, the body temperature difference between those shaded and those not shaded, you had some significant differences definitely in the, in the afternoon um, as, as somewhat expected since you were doing this through the summer, that is those hottest hours. And could you talk a little bit, did, did you see a production effect with that lower body temperature? So we, you know, we measured uh, internal body temperature. We had a, a sensor, a bolus inside the cow that measured uh, their body temperature, internal body temperature continuously. And, you know, we didn't really see much of a difference uh, overnight in the early morning hours. But like you said, it was those afternoon hours when it got really hot. You know, up here in, in Minnesota, it can be very humid. Uh, as well. So that's where we see a a big difference. Where the cows were underneath the shade, it certainly lowered their body temperature and into the evening hours. However, we didn't really see a difference in production. And there may be many different factors that that go along with that. You know, our, our cows were in a rotational grazing system. So they were only underneath the solar panels a week at a time. So you know, they would rotate through the pastures that have the solar panels. So maybe that's why we didn't see a difference in production because they weren't underneath the solar panels for the whole summer. I see. They were underneath maybe 30 days of the 150 day grazing period. Mm -hmm. I wonder if when you're not doing research, you know, just maybe on a production system, if you could strategically set up those paddocks to where maybe your herd has access to a certain percent of the shade during that, maybe right after morning milking, so they could maximize the, the shade and then rotate them to a different paddock in the, in the afternoon overnight uh, to kind of maximize the forage availability in the shade. And I think it's also important to, 
you know, placement of the, the solar panels in the pasture. You know, we have, we have 12 different pastures that we split up into paddocks and, you know, we just happened to put this solar system in one of the pastures, but maybe we, you could put it in different pastures or closer to certain things where you're able to maximize the, the use of the, of the solar. That's certainly possible. And that was one of the things that we actually learned about this. You know, we just put up a solar system and thought it'd be nice to do grazing and without any large thought about how that affects rotational grazing uh-huh. schemes, things like that. So we, we learned a lot of different things and um, are going to be working on some of those issues into the future. Well, that's great. And, and having that insight is, uh, and spreading the word through this podcast is a great way to make sure that folks benefit from what, what you guys learned. On the forage, you said it was uh, the solar panels were eight, eight foot high. So were you able to have a, a pretty good vegetative cover growing throughout the year? Could you speak a little bit to what forage grows best under the solar panels? Uh, yeah, our, our pastures are meadow fescue, orchard grass, clovers, and, and maybe smooth brome grass. And we didn't really see a, a decrease in forage production. You know, the, the solar panels are eight feet off the ground. So we, you know, had adequate sunlight and when it rained, it could soak in at all places. So we didn't see a reduction in, in forage. I think, you know, if the panels would have been closer to the ground, maybe we wouldn't have seen that kind of growth. I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but uh, that's one thing that we're going to be working on in the future is looking at what forages work best for solar grazing and does the height of the solar panels affect that and, and how, how we can all improve and sort of maximize forage from pasture. Absolutely. And getting the systemic benefit, um, both through the shade, but also through some financial opportunity, getting the rebate of the electricity. Can you, can you speak a little bit to some of the finances associated with that the guys might encounter if they decide to install solar panels in their pastures? Sure. So, you know, the, this uh, 30 kilowatt system, it, it cost us uh, $90,000 was the, the total cost. You know, we're a, we're a university, so we don't necessarily, we don't get the rebates from the federal government uh, like a, a producer would. But if a producer were to put in a solar system, they would certainly get rebates and their 30 kilowatt system wouldn't, wouldn't be 90,000. It might be half of that or two thirds of that. One question that people always ask is, well, does it cost more to put the solar panels higher in the air versus on the ground? And it really wasn't, the cost wasn't uh, hardly any more than just putting up the solar panels. It might have been a thousand dollars or more, but really it wasn't that more expensive to raise the solar panels up in the air. So I don't think that's a a cost consideration at all. And it sounds like it would be very important for sure to prevent the damaging. Surely cows would rub on them constantly, I would think. They they do. I think it depends on the day. We we don't see much rubbing uh, on it anymore like they used to since they've gotten used to the panels, but that is a possibility. One thing that we you know like to look at is it, it also generates a source of energy for the farm, so it would be able to offset uh, power that uh, is used. You know, we, we have a dairy farm, and dairy farms use a lot of energy, so it can help offset the energy consumption that we use on our dairy farm, and that's a consideration as well. So it sort of is a win-win both ways, shade for your cows and produce 
electrical energy that you can actually use on your farm. What's the lifespan of a of a solar panel? Well, you know, we're we're not necessarily sure about what the lifespan is, but we think these solar panels will last thirty years, okay, and maybe longer. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a it's a long term a benefit uh, that farms would have when they're uh, putting these solar panels up. So Bradley, if you were to summarize all of your work with integrating these solar panels into dairy enterprises, what what would you tell our boots on the ground dairy listeners? Well, I think you know putting putting up solar panels is a a win for the dairy industry. It can help reduce greenhouse gases, help with climate change, and you also get benefits of helping improve the well-being of cows, you know, reducing their heat stress of cows. Uh, I think longer term, you may experience increase in milk production because if you provide more shade. So I think there's a lot of benefits that you'd see from the cow side as well as a financial side. And I think in the industry, we're only going to see more dairy farms put up solar uh, to sort of help offset their costs, but also provide benefits from cattle well-being. Wonderful. Well, Bradley, I really appreciate you uh, taking time out of your day to talk with us a little bit about your research. And listeners, I applaud you for taking time out of your day to learn about how you might be able to integrate solar into your operation. This could keep your pasture cows more comfortable and ultimately impact your bottom line. So thank you for listening. This is a monthly podcast project designed to bring the Journal of Dairy Science straight to your ears. We highlight peer-reviewed research articles that are actively in press, sound science to base your management decisions around, and it's provided to you by your University of Missouri Dairy team. So if you could please like, share, and subscribe to get future editions straight to your cell phone. And uh, Bradley, I I know you have a podcast too. Do you want to tell them how to find your, your moose room? Sure. We have a a podcast uh, with the University of Minnesota. It's a dairy and beef podcast. It's called The Moose Room, and you can find it really wherever you uh, subscribe to your podcast. It's just The Moose Room, and uh, uh, you should be able to find it. I'm so glad that uh, we're starting to get some cow content on on iTunes and other platforms. Uh, And if I'm going to be listening to something, that's that's what I'd prefer. And so it's really fun that Many universities are starting to, to pick up podcasting, um, so we encourage everybody to, to fill their ears with knowledge. So, Well, Bradley, it's been very fun talking to you today. Thank you so much for your time, and listeners, you too. This is Reagan Bull with Dairy Science Digest signing out. Thanks, and have a great day.